Welcome to a pivotal moment in tennis history, a moment we are living and witnessing right now. Today, we stand on the brink of a revolution, not just in how the game is played, but how it's understood. Five years ago, when we embarked on this project, we anticipated changes, but what's unfolding is far more dramatic and more powerful than we ever imagined. Gone are the days of solely relying on impressionistic methods and the opinions of tennis gurus. We are now in an era where every shot, every point, and every strategic decision is transformed by the unyielding power of data analytics. This isn't just a change, it's a seismic shift that is redefining the very essence of tennis as we know it. As we experience these monumental changes firsthand, we invite you to join us on this groundbreaking journey. Together, let's discover how data analytics is not just influencing, but revolutionizing the world of tennis. So the Arts of Winning is brought to you by Sterling Strother and Dan Travis. This podcast is dedicated to shedding light on the new era of tennis. It looks at the completely new areas and realms of possibility that this era presents us with. Primarily, we examine the battles that will be fought as the player develops competitive intelligence. We ask you to subscribe to the podcast, both on the channels, Apple, Spotify, and Amazon, and subscribe directly to us by visiting www.artofwinningtennis.com. We can help you negotiate your way around this tremendously exciting new era in tennis. If you're a tennis mum or dad like Sterling, you'll be going to tournaments right now. And if, look, if we're honest, it can be quite a strange experience. At one point, look, your player's probably going to lose. It's not often a pleasant experience either. Uh, but more importantly, I think people experience it, or players experience it, as a not a very constructive experience either. The time parents spend at tennis matches could be spent in a completely different way. And the sport itself, I think, provides the answer in a unique form. And that's through what the, the concept we're going to introduce today, which is the, a kind of tennis mathematics. Just what this mathematics is and how it can be used, that's the subject of today's podcast. And Sterling, I'd like to ask you, ask you one question, but from two perspectives, both because you're in that unique position here today, thankfully. You're a, you're a father and a coach. What's the tournament experience like for you? Can you explain it from both those perspectives? So Pierre started competing fairly early uh, when he was eight years old. Mm. Wasn't, it wasn't so unsettling then, right? But when he started uh, to reach in the 12s, it, really it, it was quite unsell- unsettling for me. I was both excited and nervous at the same time. I was excited to see Pierce play and compete and nervously hopeful that he would perform at his best, right? So knowing that he was going to be in a battle and not really in a position myself to help him except to just cheer him, cheer for him. And, and then that w- even that was limited, right? Because I didn't know what to say. 
I didn't want to say something every single shot, obviously. And I want to give him some space and allow Pierce to figure out the competition as he plays the match. So it's, um, I think one of the things for me is that that's the system that, <clears throat> that I initiated developing. And then we at the art of winning have, have began to develop it even more. Yeah. I think that's the thing that kind of saved me as a parent, as a coach, I can put my coaches hat on and, and be the coach, but it's different when you're, when you're watching your own child compete, it's, um, you have to have something to lean on. Cause if you don't, it's, it's nerve wracking for sure. Taking that a step further, what do parents report back to you from matches? Well, I talk to, uh, I talk to my parents a lot, especially the ones that have kids that are competing and, and basically 95% of the kids right now that I have, they are competing in a, in a junior level competitive situation. So honestly, mostly the parents feel helpless. They are many times perplexed about what they are seeing and what they are experiencing and the motions, the thoughts, they, they see practice done in a certain way. And then they go and watch their player compete and it looks completely different. And honestly it is. And so to me, this is the main disconnect between the practice court and the match court performance. And so as their coach, obviously my practice court looks different than your yeah. traditional tennis culture practice court. So there is, uh, they do understand what we're trying to do on the practice court and, and as far as myself and the player. So that's, that's what I'm hearing and initially. And then as we begin to talk and have conversation around that, they begin to understand what they, what the role that they can play that can really help their player excel. What do parents, one, think that they should be doing? And two, what is it they think that they could do? I know that sounds a little bit, yeah. a little bit close in terms of two questions. So really, what, what is it they, they, they think they should be doing? And what is it they think they're capable of doing? And is there a, is there a, um, a disconnect and a possible way of reconnecting those two. Yeah, I, I'm not really positive that parents know what they should be doing, right? I mean, even <laughs> as a parent, as a parent myself, going in the first competitive situations, and even now, it's like there, you know, you're not quite positive what you should do, but that's why you've got to find a plan for yourself before you even go to the match. And so, I think their instinct as a parent is to support and even try to coach their player during the match. But however, there are restrictions as to what you can, can and yeah. can't say to a player at certain times during the match. So that, that's a, that's a real issue parents have to deal with. So parents could coach their players during the match. However, yeah. I'm not convinced that it is constructive. And honestly, as a professional tennis coach for 30 years, I can tell you that when I quote unquote would try to coach Pierce, it actually made things worse for him. Right. And, and it's so tempting to want to say something, want to, and the rules are really crazy about what you can actually say. But so at this point in my career as a coach and a parent of a nationally ranked junior player in the U S coaching your child from outside the fence while they're playing a competitive match is more of a disturbance and a distraction than a positive way to help your player win the match. Can I, sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. This yeah. um, I, I think it's a point, but I'd like, I'd like just to use an example where we will, 
Because um, when you work with actors and people are acting, you know, on the stage, it's like the equivalent of someone coming up mid-performance and going, you're saying it wrong. <laughs> you should be saying it. Right. And the actors are like, what? You know, that, 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 can only, that can only lead to confusion. And I, yes. I assume a, a deep sense of frustration on one's part. But I think um, that, you know, there's a parallel there. And, and, and that's often the case with uh, what we're talking about when we're rehearsing on the practice court and taking that rehearsal to the match court, right? And parents kind of don't see that their role really shouldn't, shouldn't be coaching in that sense. Well, here's one of the things that I, I realized, and I had conversations with Pierce about this. You know, when you're tempted to say something, yeah. even, if it's, even if it's let's go or come on or you can do this or you got this, even comments like that that are encouraging, can interrupt the flow of thought that your player's actually going through. Yeah. They actually may be on the verge of solving a problem in the match or solving how they're coming back in the game. And on you say something as their parent, and it just really interrupts that thought process. And Pierce actually told me that. He says, Dad, you know, the quieter you are, the better, because it helps me think through and keep my thoughts in that process of moving forward and 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 figuring out what I need to accomplish here and even focus on my plan, right? So I've actually, you know, what's interesting is I've just actually become very quiet and I sit there and I I do the math. You know, that's my job now is to is to chart the match, to map it out, to to make I, if I have something to say, I actually make little comments. I write little comments beside my chart. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm voicing my, my thoughts, but I'm voicing it on the paper and then we can address it later. Um, the next day, cause I yeah. usually, try, I don't want to try to, I don't want to talk about the match the same day unless they, unless they have to go into another match and I only talk, talk about things that are, that I think that are maybe pressing. And I usually start with a question because I want to figure out if Pierce already knows what I'm about to tell him. He may already be on that. He may already be there. Is this in the post-match? Yeah, this is post-match, like between two matches in one day. Because in the U.S., we'll play a tournament. They have to play two matches in one day, and there's like a two-hour break between matches. So you got to be really careful about what you say. So I start with questions with Pierce. Hey, but even then, you wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say that the, um, the, the, the questions could be also quite destructive? And you go in there going, um, you well, know what I'm going to say to you, don't you? Well, no, I, well, I, I stay I stay away from judgment questions. Yeah, that's and what I, I mean. I try to go into observation questions. Like, um, I, I don't really ask questions like, how do you feel you played? Because that's a judgment. That's a subjective opinion. Because I can, I can feel like he played well, and he can feel like he played like garbage, which is natural for a junior player. You know, and they probably played amazing, but because they lost or maybe it was close, closer than they thought it should be, you know. So I, I st- stick to questions about, do you feel like you stuck to your plan? You know, how do you feel like you played your first strike patterns, right? Were they strong? Were you confident going in? Things like this. Try, try to open-ended objective questions. And that has to be something you have to think through as a parent because, but there are also justifications, aren't there? It's like, why did you do that? Sure, sure. You got to stay away you know, from that. You did it right up until that point, and then you seem to do. Why did you? Yeah. So there are accusations and justifications, which I also yes. find a 
and negative and very counterproductive. I don't know whether you would agree with me there, Stephen. No, for sure. It, what it does is it creates a defensive mechanism in, in your player, in your child, and they just become defensive right away when you start asking the questions that begin with why. That's why you stay away with, from why questions. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you really dive, have time to dive deep, like in practice, that's the time to delve into why questions, but certainly not after they play a match or before they're going to go into a match. It's often we, you, you see, you see parents and, and, you know, in the coaching box, even at the top level, and there's that kind of look on their face. Why are you doing this? Right. Which is really un- unhelpful. It's, it's only going to antagonize and destabilize yeah. the player, I think. Yeah. So you um, asked you ask also, what is it they, they think they could do? So, yeah. so I think parents could definitely help their players improve their match performance and, and their win percentage by mapping the match. We call, I call it mapping. We use the word tracking, recording. Tracking match performance with certain data yeah. analytics will contribute to the positive growth both mentally and emotionally for, for any player. And so at the Art of Winning here, we, we cre- I've created this specific data categories and that, that we can identify specific areas of improvement um, that will need to be rehearsed in their next practice session. Uh-huh. So, so with their coach. So parents are the ones attending the matches. Coaches are rarely there observing match play. And so the parent, and that's for various reasons. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not coming down on coaches because I'm a coach myself and I, I can't go to all these matches. But the parents are, they can be a powerful voice and an influence in their players' improved performance. But this cannot occur if they don't produce meaningful data to the coach that can be redefined and redesigned for the practice court. So they can, so the player can make meaningful changes or adjustments and they can make better decisions, learn how to make better decisions and increase their win percentage. And this, this is the key, right? I mean, my parents are, some of my parents are trained in this, but they'll still kind of come to me first with these subjective opinions about how they thought the match went. I'm like, that's great, but that's not any information I can use, right? Cause that's a sub, you saw it. I didn't see it. So I'm going to, I have to just take your word for it, but I'm not so sure that's exactly how it went down. They show me the data and lo and behold, there's so much more there that can be fleshed out to decide exactly how the match went. Mm -hmm. And this emotionally charged response, which is just a human response, it kind of takes the back burner and we kind of bring the data to the front, front burners, right? And we start working with that. And that really brings some comfort to the parent. It brings knowledge to the coach. And this is the way the data to that, the way I found the data can be very effective. Okay. And it, to me, you have to use it this way in order to prove some positive results for the future. Because you're, you're there watching that, watching the match because I'm, I'm the reverse now. I was a coach that couldn't go to tournaments, but I'm now I'm a tournament. (laughs) <laughs> now I'm at the tournaments and I'm doing the, 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 these data maps. It's amazing that the effect it has on the relationship between the three of you, coach, child, and, yes. and the player. Because, you know, the, the parent, instead of going through this kind of subjective torture, they're focused on this map and they, they show you afterwards. They go, here it is. Here's my map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that's it. That you know that because they've done something incredibly productive. Yep. And I want to put it to you that tennis is a unique sport in a very specific way, and because of the way it's played, it has specific mathematical features, and these are geometric features and numeric features, and they're clearly they're clearly defined areas on the court where the where the ball has to land okay that's 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 the starting point if you like look it's got to go here it's got to go there and i think the mathematics of tennis allows for specific events to be recorded these can be divided into point events and shot events point events include the momentum score plus or minus the game score and probability Shot events recorded how many shots are made and where they landed. In data, shot and points events work together to give us more information. Do you think that that's an accurate description? Yes, I think that's a great way to begin to develop this storyboard of play that comes from an objective point of view instead of subjective opinion. I think the key to understanding the mathematical angle of tennis, is to describe it in the following way. Tennis has a mathematical structure to it where events can be recorded. The recorded events provide data, and this data gives the analyst an opportunity to, and I think that this is the most important bit, accurately identify what can be improved and how. Is, is that your experience of tennis, Matt? Yeah, I mean, this is an excellent way, I think, to describe it. Uh, tennis mathematics, if you will, shots and points that can be recorded to provide data analytics, such as a win probability percentage, uh, how often an error occurred and when it occurred within a point or the game. And from this, you can begin to identify what can be actually, what can be improved and why as and why, you know, it was why or how you can perform it more successfully in future matches. So, yes, I agree with you there. I mean, that's this is, you know, it's one of these things where the more we describe it in in flesh it out, the more people are able to wrap their heads around what is what did data analytics really mean? And and you're right. It is a it is a sort of of tennis mathematics, right? So, yeah, this is a great way to experience, I think, the match. To me, it appears that there are two ways of playing a tennis match. So you've got mathematically or non-mathematically. And non-mathematically does not mean that there's no no maths involved in this. That would be be absurd. It means that the maths is not prioritised and does not provide a context for the what we would call the technical aspect, the biomechanical te- technique aspect, and those approaches. So in that, in this sense, traditional tennis culture is non-mathematical. Is that a fair characterization of traditional tennis culture? And what does traditional tennis culture give us instead? So if you if you're meaning that non-mathematical is like when a match is played more with emotionally charged decisions 
And the interpretation of what happened is based on a subjective perception. Then I say, yes, that's that, that would be playing something non-mathematical or understanding it in a non-mathematical way. So I think this is how traditional tennis culture influences every player because much of the practice court is built on subjective opinions about how a player should develop in practice. So the repetition of individual shots without consequence is what the traditional tennis culture practice court relies upon to measure performance. And so it's, it was that shot good? Was that shot bad? And the coach is typically the judge there. So, and then the, par- the player can judge as well. And then there can be this combined judgment between the coach and the player about how good or how much better their shot needs to be. But we're lacking the consequence there of the shot, right? There's nobody on the other side returning it back. So we, we don't really know how good the shot was because it's funny. I, I have this experience on court with players sometimes. We, we will be playing points yeah. to win or lose the point and they will hit a shot and it actually like I make an error or maybe it's even a winner and I go and they, and they have this just look of like disgust on their face. I'm like, what's wrong? They go, that shot could have been better. I'm like, well, did you win the point? And they're like, well, yes. I go, well, why do you feel like it needs to be better then? Like, isn't the objective to win the point? Like this is not a this is not a uh, beauty contest. Like we're not, you're not getting extra like points for because you hit a great shot and won the point. Like nobody's putting like asterisks beside set scores at the end of the match. Going, yeah, Johnny, you know, Johnny lost this match, but man, did he play some great points? Was he on fire today? Like no one's putting that beside the score. It's, it's either a W or an L, you either won or lost the map. And so instead, I think our practice court needs to resemble more closely match play where point play scenarios have consequences. And that's how you measure performance objectively when by winning and losing a point or even winning and losing consecutive points. Okay. And so, right. So, you know, I think when a coach says that the shot is great. I think that's a very poor way of measuring the results of a player shot. I really do. And I'm guilty of this. I'm not, I'm, I'm putting myself, I've done this before many times, but I'm getting away from that. So competitive play with consequences, for example, is a better way to measure shot performance because it's now based on an objective, objective reasoning rather than this opinion that I have of it. And so, you know, the parent or the player says at the end of the match that they weren't consistent, right? They'll say, you know, the serve was poor. They need to work on their second serve. Their back end was failing them. So this broad interpretation of why you lost the match is so vague. It's only going to inspire an opinion about how to fix the solution. And so, but when the data, when the data is not driving the discussion to improvement, you're left with this distorted perception. And it's based on emotionally charged opinions about how the match was played. So, you know, I think that's, that is a fair characterization of traditional tennis culture. And like we've said before, I mean, we were in this as well. We we're in this culture and it's naturally, it's easy to get sucked back in. That's why you've got to stay on course and yeah. allow yourself to, 
to develop the way how the data is going to tell you which way to go as a coach and even a, par- a parent and a player. So a final question before before we move on. Given that tennis is so mathematically rich and that tapping into this can be so powerful in our experience, and honestly, Sterling, I get this question all the time, particularly after we now, we, now we've released the book. The first question is, <laughs> thankfully, why has no one said this before? Why is no one talking about it? What, I mean, what on earth have they been doing? I'm telling you, that's a great question and a very valid one, honestly. I can only conclude now after 12 years of mapping match play for players that, that it has been hidden in plain sight and we have overlooked the power of tennis data because we have been so heavily influenced by the traditions of how tennis has been coached for so long. And that is to say that we coach tennis from a very subjective opinion-based philosophy. Okay, we share ideas, we talk about ideas as coaches, but we talk about the specifics of coaching and playing influences and how they and how to counter them in the in the more detail in the book. Right. So you've got to get the book. And and, and if you haven't already, even the audio audio book, um, I have a friend of mine that that um, actually did a podcast with him yesterday and he's going through the audible audible book. And, you know, it's like it's like addressing the distorted perception that the game score can create, right? We've accepted the game score for what it is. It's a part of the game. It's the way it was created, but we've got to question things to so that they make sense. And we just have to keep going down this road of observing and, and, and really take notice of what's really happening and try to interpret these things like the game score in a different way than we have in the past. I, I think that's the, that is the way to revolutionize how we approach the game as coaches and, ha- and in coaching it and how players will ap- can approach it playing it. Because after all, this is a game. And so we've got to, it's, it's supposed to be fun. And so um, I can tell you that since I started doing the data and, the, and my practices are data-driven, I, I can't tell you how much fun I'm having. It's crazy. It's fun. I laugh a lot more than I used to. Oh, yes. Yes. Because um, <laughs> the, 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 there's a seriousness to the data, which kind of like, you know, you, you, can, you, can, do, you can do that. But the, um, yeah, it's, well, it's, it is a sense of fun, but it's also a sense of freedom. And you feel that, you know, look, if there's going to be a route to realize my, my real potential as a player and as a coach, this is it. Well, that's why I created the games out of yep. the data. There had to be a way to, to, to communicate the data in a fun and exciting way. And that's the, that's the purpose of the competitive intelligent games. But that, that's what I wanted to come to next. So what do the parents do? How, how, how do they record the data? <clears throat> so the, the best way to start is with pen and paper preferably graph paper because it yeah. keeps the numbers in designated columns for organizing your what you see and i would say that there are six categories that you've got that you want to try to get you may not get all six of them but it's whether the player's serving or returning you're only tracking your player now you're not tracking both just the yeah. just the player whether they're serving and returning whether it was a first or second serve even when they're returning because that would be the second serve return. 
uh, point rally length, how many successful shots landed in the court. If you can get first strike pattern and or the combination, that's great. Obviously, the point rally length, if you get that right, it's going to give you the momentum score and then the game score is going to come next. But those are the main categories that you want to start to try to, to map. When I first started out, I just had whether they were serving and returning, first and second serve, and point rally length. With those three pieces of data, all the other categories developed out of that. So that's, that's where you want to start. Okay, so how, how do they send it to you? So they can take a picture of the data yeah. uh, on their phone, snapshot. They can email it to me. They can send it through like a text app, like WhatsApp, or just a simple text that they have my phone number if they're, they're, local, they're in the U.S. or whatever. But there's ways you can send it to me. But you want to take a picture of it. That's the best way. I mean, you've done that with some of your players that you're working yeah. with in the UK. You just take a snapshot of it. I send it. I blow it up. And then I'm able to go through from there. And what happens, um, can you describe what happens when we receive the data? So what we do is we use what's called a match report. We, we have sort of some software um, that we use right now um, to calculate the data analytics and that are relevant to help the player, the parent, and the coach um, decide how to design the practice court. So that's, that's what we do. We take it through. We start to s- produce charts and different statistics. <clears throat> uh, of the data that you've given us. And that's what we give back to them. Is that right? That's correct. So yeah, that's what we're doing. Okay. So here's a final question on, on, on that. So how powerful is that? Do you think? Why is it different from other similar? Well, I wouldn't say similar. What would I say? That well, other attempts right. at, um, at, at recording data, which, which are out there. What, what's the difference? The, the statistical categories that we use here, the art of winning, are unique in that they yeah. paint a clear picture of what occurred in the match with regards to winning and losing points, especially consecutively, right? What, what the possible reasons were and why along, and this is most important, we have the CI games there that we've created that we can help players design the practice court in a way that maximizes these adjustments. So the CI games are the, that's the portal by which we send the players down to help discover point rally link, to help discover winning momentum points, two points in a row, to understand moment, how quickly momentum shifts happen inside the game, to help them wake up to, to what's really going on here. Points are short. (laughs) And and, and no I'm telling you, we can't say that enough because because so many people still they they don't believe it. Although <laughs> it's crazy, I know well, why. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a, a mental adjustment that people have to make, and, yes. and but also just importantly, yeah, a cultural one, right? We yep. talk about traditional tennis culture, which sees you know consistency and the glorious long rally, but you have to make you good. It's um, a concept shift on a on a big scale. To think in terms of first strike and the first four shots as being uh, the dominant way in which points are won. The number one thing that I try to initially get parents and players to understand, and even coaches I talk to, is that we reframe what consistency means. Yeah. And where you need to be consistent first. 
And that is a great way to begin the conversation. You have to be more consistent on your first two shots. And I'm telling you, if players did this worldwide, we would see the numbers go up. We would see the averages go up. But right now, you'd see a better game. You would see a better, more, a more quality game. You would see more competitiveness. Yeah. Instead of in, uh, points ending short, but obviously they end short for various reasons. Aggressiveness is a big part of that. Being aggressive, being aggressive based on what you, th- how far ahead you think you really are. Yeah. And the confidence, concentration issue where you know your confidence is high but your concentration is down or your concentration is up and your confidence is down because you've lost the point so that's a big thing that we talk about in the book i want to ask you what the results have been and how do parents parents (laughs) how do parents react to this i think parents are often very curious to find out about more about the specifics of the analytics that we produce in the categories, right? Or we, re, yeah. we kind of revamp and, and produce charts. I think the most important information that we're able to give parents is how they can help their players immediately apply the knowledge that's obtained from this competitive intelligent report that we can produce for them. And this is what we're hoping the app is going to do. This is what we're programming the app to do to produce this report. Yeah. So by identifying the specific location of errors within the point, they can, and then they can use the CI games to improve performance. So by reducing their errors. And so this is, um, this, I think this is the most powerful part about it. The parents are now able to look at their players match in a totally different and unique way. And this is helping the parents overcome their anxiety and begin to have a better perspective of actually what their player is experiencing in competition, right? Begin to empathize more with the player about what they're feeling. And the parents are also excited that they can now offer meaningful solutions to the player to improve moving forward. So this is the experiences that I've had with the parents that I've worked with, with the data as they record it and then give it back to me, this is what I'm experiencing. Very positive feedback. Now, I do have to say this. When you're first starting this out as a parent, um, it is a different paradigm shift. It's a different way of thinking. So that's why you know I just encourage players or parents to do one set to begin with and not try to do a whole match. If they want to do the whole match, that's, that's fine. But it, it's, it's a different way of thinking. So your brain will get tired. <laughs> and that's why we're producing the app to be user, as user-friendly as we possibly can. But just writing down the numbers, I mean, it can, it's, it's a different way of doing it. So it's like anything that's new. It takes practice to become proficient at it, to learn how your brain is going to slow down. And you're going you're gonna to unplug from your emotions. And you're going to plug into this observation mode and you're going to feel really weird doing it at the beginning because you're not going to have these same emotional responses that you had in the past when you just watch and don't record data. So that's, that's a very interesting uh, thing that happens. And so I have to, I talk to parents about that when they, after they first do it a few times, I'm like, they're like, man, I just, I had this weird experience. 
And I said, yeah, tell me about it. And this is exactly how they describe it. So, yeah, so that's disclaimer, if you will. It's awesome, though. Okay. It certainly is. There's no doubt. Yep. No doubt about that. The, I want you to look, though, into your crystal ball. And I want to know what you think, then, is going to start happening in 2024. My hope is that you and I and our team of other player, people that we that we're that we're coming into the fold here can become one of the biggest influencers of how match data can help improve a player's overall strategic performance. I think parents are looking for ways to help their players succeed and being more confident when they play and honestly see their player having more fun in competition. And most of the time if players are unhappy with their performance it's because they're not really sure of what they're what they want to do. They may want know what they want to do, but they don't know how to do it. And so they can't seem to find a way to emotionally handle the pressure of competitive play. And so having a better knowledge and context of why a point is ending is the first step in negotiating this pressure to perform and achieve better results. I mean, you've got to know the context of why the point is ending. And so the data can help organize a player's thoughts. It can stabilize their decisions, their decisions going into the next point. They can plan better. And that planning stable is the stabilizing mechanism of thought is planning. And so it increase because they do this, it will increase their probability of winning more points consecutively. There's no doubt about it. I mean, We've, we've put this through the test. I mean, this is not something we just made up, you know, last year. And this is something that's 12, almost 13 years in the making here. And so the data can help, you know, do this in a player. So the art of winning system is continuing. I think it'll continue to make this happen for players, parents, and coaches. And, and I'm hoping it's going to do it even more so in, in 2024. So the release of our online course and then we're going to release the new version of Tennis Map Play, our app, this year. These tools are going to make data collection and, and analysis more readily available to anyone who's desiring to become, you know, this parent who really wants to contribute in a positive and, and productive way, right? So this is my, these are my hopes. This is what I believe is going to happen as long as we can stay on task and get these these tools out there to them. In the meantime, that's what I suggest is grab that graph paper and then start. Do, you, we've, we've put out enough information that you, you can do it and you can always contact us, shoot us an email. Hey, I'm having trouble doing this and we, we will help you right away. But, um, you know, we're organizing things in a way where it's, it's less friction for you as a parent. You can watch the videos of the games. You can look at podcasts we're doing. You can read the book. You can listen to the book. You can get the online course when it comes out. So I think this there's there's awesome things headed all of our ways in 2024. Yeah, I get that. I get that feeling as well. Certainly from the people that I'm I'm speaking to and working with who have read the book and seen the reaction of players, not just at the tournaments that we've been talking about today. But the link between the tournament 
and the practice court where we reside. All right. So it's it's that process is going to fundamentally start to change, or at least there's the opportunity opportunity for it to start to change right now. And that's the, that's the exciting part. Um, traditional tennis thinking is going to be with us for a long time. That's 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 where we're at. But in the I mean, in the meantime, we do you know we do suggest that that you get the book and the audio book. Okay, it's not an easy book, but this is not an easy task. Okay, it's 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 a difficult sport to master and and and, and move forward. And we have we've got a free download of three of the games that. If you become part of the community online by going to artofwinningtennis.com, there's those three games available for you, um, and that's permanent. You'll, you know, you'll have those forever. So you can start to get a feel for what goes on the practice call. The online course, Sterling, you, you mentioned, that's coming. Very exciting news. Uh, that's, that takes uh, the ideas in the book um, from inside your head and um, how you apply it and show you exactly how to apply this in a much more practical way. Get in touch, and we can start to work with you on data analytics. Yeah, we got, as I said, we've got enough information out there already, but we are not adverse to receiving uh, emails saying, oh, help, what do I do next? And, yeah, we can certainly do that. And we're going to be start running, running a lot more of our, um, our actual on-court programs um, from now on. So you can you can come and visit Sterling and I in our in our natural habitat on the tennis court. Um, Sterling, it's been great to talk about about this subject. I particularly myself enjoyed introducing or exploring this idea of the tennis mathematics yes. and how we can we can start to see the game in a different way. Um, I would certainly advise players to um, join us on on this podcast. I, mean, I know you're on here now. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. But in in the future, we're going to be looking uh, at, at these topics in depth and providing some very practical advice on how you can move uh, move forward. And that this is not a static process. It's not like you turn up, we do it once, and we go. Right? We are constantly innovating here, and 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 this uh, this is a process that we really want you to be part of with us, and we want to be on the same process with you. Um, it's our, it's, we, we call it the dialogue when we're um, <laughs> um, when we're feeling grandiose. So uh, yeah, I'd like to thanks thanks you again, Sterling, for that. That's been a fascinating insight from a tennis parent and a coach and the author of the art of tennis. And we look forward to hearing from you next week, um, or we'll be holding our next podcast uh, next as ever next Wednesday. So thank you very much. Thanks, Dan.